congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Stir up the wills of your faithful people, Lord God, and open our ears to the preaching of John, that rejoicing in your salvation, we may bring forth the fruits of repentance. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel 
the Lord is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with your oppressors at that time and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. We will intone the psalmody, tune eight. A reading from Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Soldiers also asked him, And we? What should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chafe will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. And children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so which candle did we light today? Did you notice? The pink one, yeah. Now, the first time I ever saw an Advent wreath when I was a kid, like, I honestly thought they must have run out of purple candles and just put a pink one in there, right? What, why just this random pink candle? But there's a reason for it. All right, there's a pink candle on the third Sunday of Advent to remind us to rejoice, right? In fact, this Sunday is called Rejoice Sunday. And so it's pink there to remind us to rejoice. But what are we rejoicing about? Right? Rejoicing is to speak joyfully, to sing, to praise. Well, we're speaking joyfully because the scriptures, the Bible tells us that God is in our midst, that Christ is with us. Right? And if Christ is with us, there's nothing more powerful in the world in your life than that. So, I think it's hard sometimes. Do you ever wake up in a bad mood? Yeah? You all admit that, right? You wake up sometimes and you're grumpy. You know it's going to be a bad day. Right? It's hard on those days to say, I'm going to rejoice. Right? I'm going to praise. I'm going to be like this pink candle. I'm going to stand out and be joyful. It's hard on those days. But we have to remember this truth, that Christ is in our midst. Christ is with us. Even when we don't feel the happiest or feel the best, right, we can always come back to that truth that Christ is with us. And if he's with us, he's the most powerful thing in our life. 
And so there's always, always, always a reason to rejoice. Always a reason to have some joy in your heart because Christ is with you. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to rejoice. Always to rejoice in all things. Knowing you are with us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before having children, I did not anticipate how important security blankets and stuffed animals would be in my life. But all three of my kids have had security blankets, or blankies, as they were called in our house. And I'll pause, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'll say they had, they've all grown up, they don't carry them around anymore. But when they were younger, not a day went by where I was not in some way dealing with a blankie problem. Right, my girls' security blankies didn't just stay in their beds. They went with us everywhere. Right, much like Linus and Peanuts, our girls' blankets got dragged across the ground, thrown around outside. And then at the end of the day, they would wind up on our dinner table. They went in the car with us when we traveled. They went to the sitter's house. But the problem with the blankets, though, was when they were forgotten. Right, if a blanket got left in a car, left outside, got lost in a couch cushion, then it all hit the fan. There was a problem. Right, there was crying and frantic searching. Security blankets were just serious business. Well, it's not hard to figure out why they were serious business. Security blankets provide something familiar and comfortable in a world that's always changing. They allow children to feel safe in all kinds of situations. When going to a new place or when mom and dad had to leave, the security blankets were a way to hold on to something safe. And so most of us, most of us, learn to leave our blankies behind as we get to school age or when we get older, but it's just not socially acceptable for adults to carry around security blankets, I suppose. But adults do cling to other things that we believe bring us security and identity in a world of transition, right? And some of these things are tangible, like a certain amount of money in our wallets or credit cards or a nice car that won't break down, something like that. And some of these things are intangible, our family name, our education, our politics, something like that can serve as a security blanket for us adults. And growing up security blankets are not always bad on their own. It's not a bad thing to be prudent and to save money for emergencies or for retirement. That's just being a good steward of your resources. But there is a line we often cross in which we begin to trust these resources more than we trust God himself. We may come to believe, consciously or otherwise, that having the right number in the bank account will truly make us safe. We may quietly obsess and worry over having that right number, and we may start to believe that we're only secure when we reached it. In some ways then, it becomes our identity, becomes our priority in life. That number may shape how we give to the church, how we give to the needy. It may weigh on how we spend to choose our time. Our desire for security then becomes a perversion of the security that is really, truly only found in God. 
There comes a time for our spiritual well-being that we need to ask ourselves, what are the things in our lives that bring us security to the point of idolatry? What are some areas in our day-to-day living we can examine and say, you know, I am holding on to this worldly priority where I should be holding on to Christ. Our gospel reading this morning gives us a great picture on how to start to address this question. John the Baptist is a prophet preaching to the Pharisees and to the crowds coming to him, and he's telling them to repent because the Messiah is coming. The world is about to change, so it's time to get your life turned around. But the specific message he tells to the religious leaders and the political leaders coming to him is, do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able to raise children out of these stones. The Pharisees were coming out into the wilderness to hear John to be baptized. And the warning he gives to them is don't trust that just because you're Jewish or you have the right last name or that your ancestors were faithful, that you are okay. You're not. John gets to the heart of the matter and tells them what their security blanket is, their identity as Jewish people. But it's a false security, according to John, because it's not a real faith. It's not living out a real faith. Rather, it's placing hope in something other than God himself. In Baptist churches, I used to hear preachers say, God has no grandchildren. Right? And that's kind of a crude way to get to the same point. The gift of faith is about you trusting in the promises of God. It doesn't matter that your grandparents were important members of the church or that your mother prayed for an hour a day. Those things are great. And thank God that we have those faithful people to teach us. But we can't find security in what our ancestors have done. John the Baptist then becomes a kind of extreme cutting away, an extreme example of cutting away of these false securities in life. It becomes an example to us of what it looks like to place hope in God alone. Now, John the Baptist is extreme. There's a saying that reminds us some saints are to be imitated in their holiness, others should just be admired. John is one to be more admired than imitated, but the extreme ways in which he lived his life point to the truth that there's really nothing other than God which gives us security. John lives and preaches in the wilderness. He cuts himself off from community. He takes himself away from the temple where his father was a priest and instead preaches independent of any kind of religious institution. The only food he eats, the scriptures tell us, were locusts and honey. They're foods that he can gather for himself in the wilderness. His clothes are simple. And the picture of John is a picture of a man who finds his security in God alone. He has no worldly attachments. In his extremes, however, we can evaluate ourselves. What are we holding on to that gives us false security? For perfectionists, it might be thinking that completing all your work to a high standard will secure you a place of importance. Some people might hold on to their intelligence, their education as central to their identities. Some parents find security in the success of their children and so on. And all of these things have their place. But we always have to be aware that our sinful hearts will try to latch on to them more than anything else. 
And the secret that the world doesn't tell you is that all of those security blankets that replace faith in God will let you down. Security blankets don't help us when the real trouble set in because security blankets are fleeting. We can always lose money. We can be abandoned by friends, by colleagues. Our health can turn at any time. There is only one place to find true security, and that is in Christ. But it's also at that point where the third Sunday of Advent takes a turn from the previous two Sundays. The first two Sundays are very much about being awake, being prepared, examining yourself, shaking off complacency, getting ready for Christ to come to us. Indeed, the first two Sundays really are about examining ourselves to make sure that we hold on to nothing but Christ. But the third Sunday of Advent reminds us to rejoice that that's the case. God does not just take away our security blankets and leave us in this world all alone. God does not just smash our idols and tell us there is no hope. Instead, God takes away all of our false hopes and gives us himself through Christ. This Sunday is traditionally called Gadate Sunday, which in Latin just means Rejoice Sunday. And it comes from our Philippians reading this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. As you see, we lit the pink candle this morning. Churches sometimes will change out their blue pyramids and put up pink ones. Because this morning we received that commandment from Scripture to rejoice. And notice, rejoicing is not optional. It's a command. It's a command about how we can respond to the good news that Christ is coming for us. We respond by rejoicing. I had a co-worker who often talked about his mantra as a father, which he believed in something called forced family fun. He said he would spend time with his kids and they were going to have fun spending time with their father, whether they wanted to or not. His kids were going to have fun whether they liked it or not. Well, this is something how scripture sounds to me this morning. Right? We're told to rejoice whether we feel like it or not. We're told to rejoice because something good is going on. We're told to rejoice because Christ is coming. And maybe you're just starting to feel a bit run down from this season. You've been baking, shopping, wrapping presents, planning meals, attending events, working overtime, and you're ready for it to all just to kind of wind down. But scripture reminds us that now is the time to rejoice. As we anticipate the coming of Christ and we celebrate his presence with us, even now we must rejoice. Our Old Testament reading from the prophet Zephaniah is some of the most beautiful poetry in the Bible. But you'll notice that this reading starts with an imperative, a command. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice, and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And why does the prophet tell the people of Jerusalem to rejoice? Because the Lord God is in their midst. In the presence of God, we're called to rejoice. And so Advent is a time to hold up our security blankets and ask ourselves, what do we really trust in? Christ is coming to establish his kingdom. That's where you will find true security. Not in the things that we hold up in this world, but in Christ alone. 
As the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It is the Lord who is my strength and my life. Is it the coming of Christ that we trust? Can we cry out to him, come Lord Jesus? Are we attached to nothing but his goodness? Well, if not, let's look to John and let's listen to John the Baptist and repent. Let's live in the freedom of the grace of God, not in the bondage of worldly attachments. Because repenting of all of our false securities is a true reason for joy this morning. Because when we repent of what is false, God gives us what is true. He gives us Jesus Christ. Amen.
Now let us stand and confess our faith together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray with the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God, our Father, guide us to experience the joy of our salvation made possible through the coming of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Encourage us through your Holy Spirit with the knowledge and hope that Jesus will come again to make all things new. Lord, in your mercy. Bring forth a new day for all who are suffering from famine, all who lack clean water. Grant that resources be shared wisely and justly so that their suffering might be eased and health restored. Lord, in your mercy. Provide warmth, protection, safety, and friendship to all of those who suffer because of the weather, especially those who are homeless and those who struggle to heat their homes safely and those who have recently lost homes in storms. Sustain all ministries and services who are now working to protect those who are vulnerable. Lord, in your mercy. Preserve our nation in justice and honor that we may lead a peaceable life of integrity. Grant wisdom to all who hold office, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Lord, in your mercy. Send laborers into the harvest, pastors, missionaries, teachers, and other servants of the word to declare your law and proclaim your saving gospel. Give courage, strength, and faithfulness to our bishops so that they may lead your church in truth. Lord, in your mercy. Help defend and comfort all of those who suffer, grieve, who face any tribulation, especially Jim, Carla, Kara, Hugh, Chuck, Nancy, Maddox, Derek, Troy, Donald, Ray, Amanda, Dwight, John, Deb, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Carolyn, Jane, Bobby, the family, and all of those who mourn Greg. Give them all they need for their well-being and grant them peace from all anxiety. Lord, in your mercy. Receive our praise for the faithful lives of the saints who have preceded us in death. With all of your saints, bring us in hope to the day of our resurrection, when your Son will forever be our light. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
I invite you to share signs of God's peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
Go in peace. Serve the Lord.